All right, welcome to chapter one, pre-hospital emergency care. We're going to be talking about emergency medical care systems, research, and public health. Our overview is the emergency medical services system, the emergency medical technician, EMS system organization and standards, and EMS research. Evidence-based guidelines, public health, mobile integrated healthcare, and community paramedicine. Our case study. Every Saturday, Ben Melton has breakfast at Dave's Diner, a favorite with locals and small town tourists. Despite having diabetes and carrying an extra 40 pounds around his waist, 51-year-old Ben finds it hard to pass on Dave's breakfast platter of eggs, steak, and fried potatoes. This morning, by the time his coffee arrives, Ben isn't feeling so well. Just as his friend, Arnie, notices that Ben has turned pale and broken into a sweat, Ben collapses, pulling the tablecloth with him to the floor. What components of a healthcare system must be in place for Ben to receive immediate help? What weaknesses in a system could decrease Ben's chances of getting help? All right, I'm going to go back and let you read the case study again. All right, here are the questions again. Go ahead and take a few seconds to write these down. As we go throughout the lesson, uh, do your best to try to answer them. And always remember, if you have any questions about the lesson, please email us at Regional training 46 at gmail.com or call your instructor. All right. Introduction Sudden loss of life and disability from catastrophic accidents and illnesses is a major public health problem. Thousands of people die or suffer permanent harm yearly because of a lack in access to adequate EMS. EMTs can make a positive difference. All right, the history of the EMS system. What happens to an injured or ill patient before he reaches the hospital can make a critical difference. Lessons learned from observations in the Korean and Vietnam Wars have impacted the development of modern EMS system. So basically, um, all of the all the skills and techniques that we use today, uh, most 95 to 99 percent of them came from uh, the battlefield. In the past, care did not begin until the patient reached the hospital. In 1966, the EMS white paper identified deficiencies in pre-hospital med medical care, including the lack of EMT training and lack of organized systems. You will see this again on a test somewhere in the future. Modern EMS is part of a continuum of care that begins at the scene of an emergency and continues through hospital discharge and rehabilitation. Several significant developments helped lead this to this EMS system. Introduction of cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, in the 1960s. The Highway Safety Act of 1966. 
the EMS System Act of 1973, the National Emergency Medical Services Education and Practice Blueprint in 1993 by the National Registry of EMTs. These are some uh, important dates of time uh, in time that you're going to have to remember. So please jot these down or, or know where you can find them. The NHTSA documents. The NHTSA stands for National Highway Traffic Safety uh, Administration. In 1996, it put out the EMS Agenda for the Future. 2000 EMS Education uh, Agenda for the Future, a systems approach. 2005 National EMS Core Content. And 2006 National EMS Scope of Practice Model. National EMS Education Standards. The scope of practice and education standards are what we go by as far as knowing what we can and cannot do in the field. The 2006 Institute of Medicine report, The Future of EMS Care, EMS at the Crossroads, recommends common scopes of practice to allow reciprocity between the states. Reciprocity means that if you can do it in Louisiana, you can do it in Mississippi and so forth. Whoever grants reciprocity for those um, skills. Uh, national accreditation for all paramedic educational programs. National certification as a prerequisite for state licensure and local credential credentialing. So um, that second bullet point, national accreditation for all paramedic educational programs. Um, in order for a educational agency like ours to be able to teach paramedic, we would have to be accredited and uh, partnered with a secondary education or higher education institution. Uh, the bottom bullet, national certification as a prerequisite for the state licensure and local credentialing. We are uh, nationally certified uh, instructors and we have been approved by the Louisiana Bureau of EMS as an uh, approved educational agency. We can teach everything from uh, CPR, first responder, EMT basic, and advanced EMT and do all the refreshers and all that stuff as well. All right. Standards for the EMS system. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration provides a set of recommended standards. Um, the Technical Assistance Program Assessment Standards, there are 10 components. Regulation and Policy. Resource Management, Human Resources and Training. Transportation and Facilities. Communications, Public Information and Education. Medical Direction. Uh, number eight, you'll see that one quite a bit. Uh, trauma systems and evaluation. All right. EMS clinical practice and system oversight 2015. These are the system goals clinical quality, service quality, economic efficiency, accountability, improvement, resilience. These six uh, points are very important when it comes to doing our job. It may not seem like it, but um, all of these uh, definitely apply to doing the job as an EMS technician. All right, system access. The most common way for the public to access EMS is by dialing 911. So you've probably you may have dialed 911 in the future or in the past. You may know someone who has dialed 911. And it is the most common way. <clears throat> Enhanced 911 allows automatic number identification and automatic location information. So uh, basically, when you dial 911, they can pinpoint your 
uh, location and they can have a callback number without having to ask. It's very efficient and um, they do not use it for any other purpose except for that and for emergencies. So communications play a vital role in the emergency medical system services system. Right here is what you see a is what you what you see is a uh, communications um, uh, um, console uh, is what they call it, where you have call takers and dispatchers. Um, sometimes you have call takers and dispatchers. Sometimes you, they do both. They ca take calls and dispatch depending on the uh, the area they're in. Um, you see the big mapping system and the computer systems that they have, and um, she's wearing a headset. Um, and I will tell you that underneath that table, she has a foot pedal. So every time she wants to dispatch or talk to a, a unit, she pushes that pedal down and she talks through her headset and it goes straight to that unit. Um, so that's what you see. It's a very, very, uh, complex system. They are very highly trained. A lot of them are, are actually, um, trained to be able to, um, assist in CPR over the phone and first aid and things like that. And we'll get into that in the future. All right. The benefits of 911. The number's easy to remember and use. I mean, we've been using 911 for years. I think um, it's part of your early childhood education in school as well. Um, there's public safety answering points, or PSAP. It is staffed by specially trained dispatchers, which is where this is what we were looking at here. <clears throat> All emergency services, police, fire, and EMS are accessible by dialing one number. Um, when I was a sheriff's deputy in Jefferson Parish, there was no direct line. You called 911 for everything, whether it was an emergency or not. Okay, cell phones pose some challenges to the 911 system. They are not identified with a fixed site. Um, so the location is identified as the closest cell phone tower. Calls near geographic boundaries can go to a different uh, PSAP. So if you live in one parish or county and you're on the border and you call 911, your number might ping on a tower in the parish or county next to it. So it, it's a little difficult. Um, FCC rules are being implemented to improve cellular access to 911. They have improved. This is uh, obviously this is a uh, 2018 copyright but um, they have improved significantly as far as uh, honing in exactly where um, you know finding the exact location of cell phones so it's very uh, they, they, they spent a lot of money and a lot of research doing so all right voice over internet protocol 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 excuse me also poses challenges addressing FCC uh, by FCC rules 911 service must be a standard feature um, must give the physical location of where the service will be used and the provider must transmit all 911 calls to the, the appropriate PSAP. So we're talking about voice over internet protocols, protocols in your home um, where some people have to have a phone line to access the internet, but they don't necessarily have a phone. Um, it still must have the 911 um, service feature um, and monitored by the FCC. All right, part of the second part of the case study, <clears throat> Charlene, one of the waitresses in the restaurant, pulls a cell phone from her pocket and dials 911. The dispatcher immediately transfers the call to a specially trained emergency medical dispatcher. 
So these are the dispatchers I was telling you about. The EMD, Emergency Medical Dispatcher, asks Charlene a series of questions to get help on the way and gives her instructions for checking and monitoring Ben's condition until help arrives. All right, what components of the EMS system have been used in this case so far? So I'll let you look at that for a second. Let me go make sure they're okay. I'll let you look at that. And we'll go over each one. Regulations and policy. Do you think uh, we've used some regulations and policy in this uh, case study? Not yet seen the influences. Okay, that's okay. That's why we do this. We want to go back. Resource management. I think we've seen a little resource management. Not yet. Okay. Human resources and training. What do you think? Okay. The EMD has special training in order to ask the right questions. Transportation. Not yet. But they will soon be requesting it. Facilities. Not yet. Communications. I think we've seen communications. Public information and education. Uh, not yet. Medical direction. We have not seen medical direction yet. Not seen trauma systems yet. Evaluation. Do you think we've seen evaluation? Not yet. Okay, so we've seen human resources and training and communications so far in this case study. Medical direction, I want to hit on this really quick. Medical direction involves a physician. Um, medical directors have to be a medical doctor, and they are over all medical agencies, ERs, Um, EMS uh, agencies, we have a medical director here at, at um, Resta, so they, they are the ones who make all of the medical decisions to make sure we're doing everything that we are supposed to do. Okay, EMTs um, respond to, this, to the dispatch heading down Highway 129 toward Dave's restaurant. An anxious customer holds open the front door as Juliana and Peter pull up to a stop in front of the restaurant. Taking a look around at the scene, the EMTs grab their equipment and head for the door. What EMT responsibilities have Juliana and Peter demonstrated so far? What EMT responsibilities do you predict they will perform next? How will the EMT's appearance and actions determine how they are perceived by others? Go back and let you look at the case study. And there are the questions. You can write them down. Take a few seconds.
Okay, we'll get to the hopefully get to those case study questions uh, soon. Uh, the, I just want to kind of remind you that the case studies are there just to get your brain to work in. Uh, I know you don't know all the answers to those questions, but that's why I want you to write the questions down so that um, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about that in the case study and write that down just to kind of get your brain to move in and get you thinking in the system. All right. A variety of EMS system types exist in the United States. We have the fire department EMS, municipal EMS, private EMS hospital-based EMS, and law enforcement EMS. Uh, to go back, so some fire departments have their own EMS system. They have to be firefighters as long as, as well as EMTs or paramedics. Um, municipal EMS, that's going to be your towns and cities. Um, they have their own municipal EMS system. Private EMS, um, it's a company that started and they wanted to be uh, be an EMS system so they they got approved and they not necessarily in in one city or town but they may be all over depending on where they want to operate hospital-based EMS um, some hospitals have their own EMS system and then law enforcement EMS as well so that's uh, self-explanatory the national EMS scope of practice model identifies four levels of EMS practitioners uh, you will see this on a test again um, it's very easy to uh, remember, so uh, I would suggest you do remember in the order of lowest to highest level, which is they're, they're giving that to you right now. Emergency medical responder, which is the lowest, and then you have emergency medical technician. Uh, we call those EMT basics because they are the basic level of emergency medical technician. And then advanced emergency medical technician, um, which is between emergency basic and paramedic. And then you have paramedic, which is the highest level, uh, emergency medical technician. Now, as a paramedic, you can get certified to be a flight paramedic or critical care paramedic or some special um, type of, just depending on, uh, special type of training, depending on what they need you to do. Um, but you must attain a basic paramedic license before that. I will say one thing, if we go back, we can look at it right here, but going from the bottom up, um, so you have the lowest to highest level, so remember those in order. Um, but I will tell you that as an emergency medical technician, all the way to paramedic, there are um, uh, roles that you can work in, in inside emergency rooms. So if you feel like you don't want to be outside, uh, out, out in the field working in an ambulance or something like that, there are uh, jobs that you can do that pay pretty much the same, maybe a little more than if you were out in the public and working in the fields on an ambulance. All right, the healthcare system. The healthcare, a healthcare system is a network of medical care that begins in the field and extends to hospitals and other treatment centers, including pre-hospital care and out-of-hospital care. We are the pre-hospital care uh, system. The different healthcare facilities to which EMTs may transport patients have different capabilities. Trauma center, burn center, obstetrical center. Obstetrical center is going to be for your uh, pregnant patients. Pediatric center, poison center, stroke centers, cardiac dealing with the heart, hyperbaric dealing with um, your um bariatric people, uh, spine injury, and psychiatric centers. 
inside the trauma bay of a designated trauma center. Here we go. That's what a that's where they're going to do um, some serious. If you bring in a a critical trauma patient, they're going straight to this room to where they can uh, have immediate surgery done. EMTs often work alongside of paramedics and others. So um, in our area in Louisiana, uh, we have Acadian Ambulance uh, is our big um, ambulance service around here. But there's also other hospital EMS systems and parish EMS systems as well. But um, usually they try to work an EMT and a paramedic on a truck together. So there's a BLS, which is basic life support for, uh, which is your EMTs. And then they have your advanced life support, which is your paramedics. <clears throat> Sometimes you'll work alongside uh, fire department, first responders, fire department, policemen, who have all have some uh, basic medical training. EMTs interface with team members from other public safety organizations, just like I said, fire department, police. There, there you have two first responders from the fire department already assessing your patient, and then you have the EMTs pulling up one scene. For the purposes of this class, we're going to, um, everything that we do as far as uh, team training is going to be basic life support. We will not train as paramedics. Everything we will do will be based off of the EMT basic scope of practice. All right, continuing the case study. After quickly determining the nature of Ben's problem, the EMTs head toward the clo uh, closest hospital, a 35-minute trip, uh, with Juliana behind the wheel and Peter in the back of the ambulance caring for Ben. Having arranged for a paramedic unit to meet them en route, Peter gives the paramedics a quick radio report. How can requesting a paramedic intercept benefit the patient what are some of the potential pitfalls in patient safety at this phase of the call? Go back and look at the case study. And look at the questions. You can write them down. I suggest you do, that you do. Um, but I want to clarify one thing. Paramedic intercept in that quite first question there means that they have they have called because they are a basic life support truck they have called for a paramedic truck or a paramedic unit to meet them en route to the hospital so wherever they can meet up the closest place they can meet up that's what they're asking for and when it says potential pitfalls uh in patient safety so remember that we are as emts we're only trained to do a certain amount of things so pitfalls meaning are we are there certain conditions about this patient that is going to require um, paramedic um, ALS? And if so, can we get them there quickly enough so that the patient doesn't deteriorate before uh, we work outside of our scope of practice? All right, moving on. EMT responsibilities. All EMTs share a common set of roles and responsibilities. Um, Roles and responsibilities of the EMT, maintain vehicle and equipment readiness, <clears throat> ensure safety of the EMS crew, the patient, and bystanders at the scene, operate the emergency vehicle, and assess the patient. You will see all of these again. Provide emergency care, safe, safely lift and move the patient, prepare oral and written reports, safely transport the patient, transfer patient care, Perform record keeping and data collection and serve as the patient's advocate. 
Okay, there's so many. Provide emotional support to the patient, relatives, and others at the scene. Integrate the EMS service with other emergency and non-emergency services. Resolve the emergency incident. Maintain medical and legal standards. Provide administrative support. Enhance professional development. Develop and maintain community relations. Now let's go back a little bit. Um, starting here, um, and this is going to be in your textbook as well, so you need to look at these and understand that you will see every everything on this list you will learn how to do and you will see again a lot of the, a lot of our chapters cover all of these responsibilities you cannot help the patient other rescuers or yourself if you are injured so you must use safe driving habits do not enter or stay on an unsafe scene be alert to situations with a risk for violence, meaning if you go on scene and say it's safe when you get there, um, but all of a sudden something happens where the scene is not safe anymore, it's time to go, okay? Wear reflective clothing and protective clothing as indicated. Personal safety and the safety of others. Um, if you have you respond to a scene like this, usually there's going to be the fire department there to uh, stabilize the vehicle because we do not train how to do those things, but the fire department does. Patient assessment in emergency care. You will learn how to do a patient assessment as the EMT talking to the child in pink. And then the other, uh, his partner is talking to uh, the mother. Transport and care in route. Contacting medical direction. So that's the other end. You'll be calling from the truck. And there's your medical director who will be receiving your report. Once you get to the facility, you'll transfer the care to either a registered nurse or a doctor. Um, that is an EMT or paramedic writing a report. keeping a record, collecting data. All right. At the designated point, the EMTs meet the paramedic unit and give an update on Ben's status. The paramedic, Alexis Brady, further assesses Ben and implements advanced life support treatment. Following the treatment, which was administered to increase Ben's abnormally slow heart rate, Ben regains consciousness and is confused about what is happening. Now that Ben is conscious, what do you think are his expectations for how Peter and Alexis interact with him? How could the nature of those interactions affect the quality of patient care? Go back to the case study. And there are the questions again. Okay. 
Professional attributes for EMTs. EMS has professional attributes that are important to maximize effectiveness of the EMT. Characteristics of personal behavior for EMTs. In tech, now I'm going to read these. Um, if you, I'm just going to be straightforward with you that if you have an issue with any of these professional uh, characteristics, then this is probably not the profession for you. Integrity, empathy, self-motivation, professional appearance and hygiene, self-confidence, effective time management, good verbal and written communication skills, teamwork and diplomacy, respect for patients, co-workers, and other healthcare professionals, patient advocate, careful delivery of service. Okay, appearance. We don't want to be out there with our, our shirts untucked, with dirty uniform, um, hair all crazy. Um, men, you know, just have them be looking scruffy and we don't want to, you know, stink. Um, we don't want to have too much cologne on because if you have a patient that has like asthma or breathing issues, they don't need to be smelling your, um, your scent. So to speak, whether it's good or bad. Knowledge and skills. You must you must keep up with your knowledge and skills. I mean, it's just the way it is. You, you have to learn how to do your job, and you have to uh, continue to be able to do your job. Physical demands. Um, I can guarantee you're going to pick a lot of people up off the ground, um, and they're not going to be very light. Um, a lot of them are injured, uh, unconscious. So they won't they won't be able to help you. So they're they're pretty much dead weight. And it doesn't matter from 100 to 300 pounds, dead weight is very, very heavy. So physical demands, uh, getting in and out of the truck, lifting the stretcher, putting it on the truck, all those are, are those physical demands that, and, you know, staying up for 12 hours, whether you're working days or nights, you know, um, being able to be alert and respond. So those are very, very important uh, physical demands that you have to meet. Personal traits, um, professionalism. Um, you can't get offended whenever people say, you know, cause sometimes people are not in their right frame of mind and they say things that are very offensive and you can't take that stuff personally. You just can't. Um, so you got to put your, your pride aside and, um, and do your job. Leadership ability. Uh, you have to be able to take control of the scene. You know, it is the way it is it, when you get there, that's your scene, patient care and patient safety and your partner's safety and your safety are important and you have to be able to lead that scene so that, that can uh, take place good judgment um, you have a job to do you've been trained to recognize certain uh, uh, certain conditions signs and symptoms make that good judgment call to treat your patient um, and also whether you know it's if the scene is not safe do you know make a good judgment call don't be like well I don't know for sure um, there's a guy over in the corner with a knife well I don't believe the scene is safe you know, something like that. That was just a, an example, but, you know, something you need to think about. Make good judgment calls. Good moral character. We're not out there to hurt people. We're out there to help people regardless of our um, our views on them. Stability and ad adaptability. We have to be able to come to work on time, and we have to be able to adapt to certain situations. Ability to listen because there are people out there that are high, more highly trained than us. Resourcefulness. Can we depend on you? You have to be be able to cooperate. You can't. It's not a one man show out there. Uh, maintenance of cert certifications and licensures. You have to keep your um, license current, your certifications current, as on you. Okay. EMS system organization and standards. 
state EMS agency role. State EMS agencies are responsible for planning and coordinating EMS. Every state and territory in the U.S. has a lead EMS agency. Okay, case study again. En route to the hospital, Alexis and Peter continue their treatment, and Alexis calls in a report to the receiving hospital. As Peter continues to reassure Ben and monitor his condition, Alexis begins some preliminary paperwork. What is the legal basis for EMTs providing medical treatment to patients? What mechanisms must be in place to ensure that the care provided is of the highest quality and conforms to the standards of the medical community? Take a few seconds, I'll go back to the case study. It's important that if you see that last last part of that last sentence, beginning some preliminary paperwork, um, everything's done by computer or tablet now. So um, it's, it's important that if you have time, uh, once your patient is stable and between your reassessment, um, you start some of your paperwork so that you're not um, too far behind. Okay, the questions again. All right. Medical oversight of EMS. Every EMS system must have a physician medical director, direct medical oversight, indirect medical oversight, on and offline medical direction, and standing orders. Medical direction. Medical directors participate in EMS provider education and EMS system quality assurance. A primary charge of medical direction is developing and establishing the guidelines under which the emergency medical service personnel function. So we are under the supervision and direction of a medical doctor. Quality improvement uh, is a system of internal and external reviews and audits of all aspects of an emergency medical system. May also be known as continuous quality improvement or CQI. Um, most EMS agencies have a um, quality improvement coordinator, CIQ is what they call them, and that's, this is what their job consists of making everything, making sure everything's right, making sure we're doing everything we can to um, go by the guidelines and to improve if we need to. Okay. EMT also has roles as a QI. So quality improvement in the middle, documentation, reviews and audits, physician, nurse, patient feedback, continuing ed education, preventative maintenance, and regular skills maintenance. This is all part of quality improvement. Issues in patient safety. Certain aspects of pre-hospital care are high risk in terms of patient safety. Transfer of care from one provider to another. Communications with other providers. Caring and moving patients. Ambulance trans transport destinations. And spine motion restriction destinations. Um, excuse me, decisions. Errors during patient care can cause harm and usually result from improper skill performance, not following the rules, and lack of knowledge. Research in EMS, evidence-based medicine, uses research to provide evidence that certain procedures, medications, and equipment improve the patient's outcome. There are four steps in evidence-based decision-making. Formulate a question that needs to be answered. Search medical literature for applicable data. 
appraise the data for validity and reliability, and if the evidence supports a change in practice, change protocols, and implement the change in pre-hospital emergency care. Medicine changes every day, so these things are being updated almost daily. So you have to, main, you have to make sure you maintain your scope of practice. Research does not exist to support many practices in EMS. Research in hospital settings does not always transfer well to EMS settings. If the opportunity arises, every EMT has an obligation to participate in research that contributes to the profession. Evidence-based guidelines uses the same approach as evidence-based medicine to develop guidelines for medical practice. Um, FICMS and NEMSAC facilitated the development of the National Pre-Hospital Evidence-Based Guideline model process. Let me, uh, let me go back here. Let's see what the notes say. All right. Okay. All right. We'll keep going. Okay, National Pre-Hospital Evidence-Based Guideline Model Process. The process starts with input from national guidelines. Evidence is collected and evaluated. Protocols are developed and disseminated. Following implementation, the process is reviewed for effectiveness. All right, Ben was seen in the emergency department and then admitted to the cardiac care unit of the hospital. Ben's cardiologist told Ben that he has several risk factors for heart problems, but that some of the risk factors can be changed. What are some public health efforts that can help decrease the rate of illness, illnesses like Ben's, and what role could EMS providers take in such public health efforts? See the questions again? All right. Public health. EMTs are a part of public of, a, of the public health team. Public health deals with protecting the health of an entire population. EMTs can play a role in identifying public health problems and in attempts to reduce injury and illness and promote health. The 10 greatest public health achievements in the United States in the 20th century were vaccinations, motor vehicle safety, workplace safety, control of infectious diseases, reduction in deaths from coronary heart disease and stroke, safer and more healthy, healthful foods, decline in maternal and infant mortality, use of barrier devices during sex, fluoridation of drinking water, reduction in the use of tobacco products. Roles of EMS in public health include health prevention and promotion. Those are EMTs and paramedics teaching CPR and public health. Roles of EMS in public health include disease surveillance. They're just doing screening. They're educating the public here is what they're showing you. Um, education and injury prevention. So they're teaching young kids how to be safe and uh, showing them around and stuff like that. But it's it basically all these slides are showing you that they're out there educating the public so that um, it's going to make their job easier and hopefully educate some people so they're not out there doing crazy things, getting hurt and getting sick. 
Mobile Integrated Healthcare and Community Paramedicine. Mobile Integrated Healthcare integrates services provided by a variety of health care entities and practitioners into EMS. Community Paramedicine services provided by the EMS agency and its EMS personnel. MIHCP may include, um, which is Mobile Integrated Healthcare and Community Paramedicine, uh, increases access to undeserved areas providing advice to 911 callers via phone rather than dispatching resources, use of specially trained EMS providers to help individuals manage chronic diseases and follow-up care. Okay, after giving a report to the emergency department about Ben's condition and pre-hospital treatment, Alexis compliments Peter and Juliana on their assessment and care. Peter takes the opportunity to ask Alexis a few questions about patients who present as Ben did. Ben was discharged from the hospital with a cardiac pacemaker to keep his heart beating at the right rate. He participates in a cardiac rehabilitation program and is working with a nutritionist on his diet. He still frequents Dave's, but more often than not, opts for a bowl of oatmeal with fruit. Our lesson summary, the shape of the modern EMS system has been influenced by many events throughout history. EMS systems must address 10 specific areas as defined by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. 911 is the access number for EMS in the United States. There are four nationally recognized levels of EMS providers in the United States, starting from the lowest, Emergency Medical Responder, EMT Basic, EMT Advanced, and Paramedic. EMTs have several specific responsibilities. Several. We, we went over that uh, with those responsibilities. You need to go back and look at those again. Medical direction and quality improvement are essential components of all EMS systems. EMS practices change over time based on research findings. EMS is part of the public health system and can make an impact on health, the health of the community. Mobile integrated healthcare and community paramedicine will continue to evolve and shape EMS. All right, that concludes our lesson for today, and I will see you in Chapter 2.